Today on the Covenant Living Broadcast. We are going to be discussing this week a very hot and controversial topic, and that is the role of submission from, of the wife to the husband in the marriage relationship. I'm a covenant man. Living in the riches of my Lord and King, I'm a covenant man. Committed to Him in everything I do believe He'll come again. And I know one thing I'm gonna do till then is learn to live in the blessing of Abraham. Hello, everyone. David and Lynn Weeder here, and we want to welcome you to the Covenant Living Broadcast. Praise God. I'm so glad to have her with me all this month, and we're having a good time talking about the subject matter in our new book, The Diamond in Your Household of Faith. And it is dealing with the grace, the place, and the position specifically of the wife in the marriage relationship, but also it in relation to the husband and how he cherishes, respects, and recognizes the place of the wife, which reflects in his place. So it's all, you, I mean, you're talking about a husband and wife relationship here, so it's all intertwined. There is not separate, there's together. There's actually a section in the book called The Power of Togetherness, glory to God. And so anyway, we are going to be discussing this week a very hot and controversial topic, and that is the role of submission from, of the wife to the husband in the marriage relationship. But we're not going to be looking at it from the standpoint of religious tradition. We are going to be looking at it from the standpoint of the scripture. Brother Keith Moore said it the best. It blesses me every time I think about it. Do you know what you have to have to be scriptural? Scripture. You have to have scripture to be scriptural. It just doesn't get any simpler than that. That's what we're gonna look at this particular topic and all the topics that we've been talking about are scriptural. But this one, this one's sensitive. People get into religious traditions just that quick when it comes to a wife submitting to her husband. And so we're going to stick to the scriptures. She's going to lead off because <laughs> I've got a lot of material and we'll be here for another month and a half if I teach it. So she's going to start off. I'm going to jump in, be the team that a husband and wife is supposed to be. So take it away with Ephesians chapter 5. We are starting Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it would be holy and without blemish. 
so ought the man to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. And this is where I jump in. (laughs) (laughs) The very first scripture. Men love to jump to this scripture and a few others and talking about, you know, wives are supposed to submit to their husbands. Bless God, she's supposed to submit to me and, you know, all that stuff. That very first verse says, submit yourselves one to another. I challenge you, go through the Bible, particularly the New Testament, go through the New Testament and add up all the places where it talks about preferring another before yourself, you know, giving place to another. That's all terms for submitting yourselves one to another. And add up the number of times that it talks about submitting yourselves one to another versus the number of times it talks about wives submitting to their husbands. Okay? Now, that does not negate the fact that the Scripture does tell wives and instruct wives to submit to their husbands. But it does start putting things in the proper scriptural perspective. perspective instead of tradition, uh, religious tradition. Now, I still get to jump in one more time here. <laughs> I want to point out something in the, the second verse that we read. It says, who's it talking to? Wives. It's talking to the wives. The scriptures addressed to the women. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. To, to, waking, to wake your thinking up a little bit to what I'm trying to point out here, let me phrase it another way. It does not say, husbands, make your wives submit to you. To show that you're a big, important man who can run his family. That is not what it says. It's talking to the wives. Nothing to do with you. As a matter of fact, you just rest on that scripture because there's three scriptures talking to the women and ten with instructions to the guys. So you're going to be busy enough trying to get those 10 down. You just rest while you're reading, while the wife reads her part. Okay. We're going to talk about what does the word submit mean. It actually comes from the Greek word, I am not a Greek scholar, so hupotasso, meaning to subordinate, to obey, to be under obedience, put under, subdue unto, be subject to and in subjection to. It's a combination of root words, hupo and tasso. Hupo means to be under or to be beneath or to be lower than. And tasso means to arrange in an orderly manner to assign or dispose, to determine, appoint, or ordain in a set orderly manner. This is giving order and flow to this marriage and family unit because if you have something or an organization that has two heads it will destruct any animal that's born with two heads lives for a very short period of time it just doesn't work in the military there is an order and a structure even in our government you can look through the order and government Mm -hmm and the flow of, you know, this person makes this decision and this and this and this so that there isn't strife, so there isn't confusion. Well, and that's, you know, you can actually see that 
even through the Godhead and all the way down through the man because the scripture says that God is the head of Christ who is the head of the husband who is the head of the wife. So it's just simply a, an order of structure because the scripture also says that Jesus is equal, thought it not robbery to be equal. So even though the father's his head, they're equal. Right. And even that is, though the husband's the head, they're equal. Right. And that can be difficult, especially if you have a strong woman. But it's one of the things that I really appreciate. Um, one day I was listening to Pastor Terry Pearson's preach on submission and teach about these things. And she said one of the things that God ministered to her that helped her so much was she was praying because they were headed to this decision and she didn't think that her husband was making the right decision in this. And God said, trust me enough to know that even if he makes a wrong decision, but you have followed my word and submitted to what he's saying, I can make out even his wrong decision work out to your benefits because you got in your right place. Mm -hmm. And that made so much sense that, I mean, she's still his daughter. You are still God's daughter. So if you can in love submit to, you know, I've given you my feedback. I love you and I trust you as my head to make the right decision on this. And if you're any kind of a man at all, if she says that to you, it makes you go, Lord, is this the right decision? Yet one more time. <laughs> because all of the responsibility as the head rests on you for that to hear from God. You know, that's what Sarah did in Genesis chapter 16 when she made the colossal mistake that she made in, well, and, uh, you know, Abraham had to go along with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but she came to him and she said, my wrong be upon you. In other words, I messed up, but you're my head, so deal with fault. it. <laughs> exactly. And gentlemen, that's, you know, goes with the job. Now, with this, it says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Ah, yes. Let me interject one more thing here. Yes. And we actually heard this. I thought it was just a, you know, a recent last few decades type thing because we heard it. But Brother Hagen tells a story, Brother Kenneth E. Hagen tells a story where a pastor of a church came to him and was, was telling him, they're talking about submission and wives and stuff like that, and told him that if he told his wife that she needed to sleep with another man, he, she had to do it because she was to submit to him unquestionably. That I've, we've heard that. Yes. You know, that is a lie. Let me say that again in case you didn't hear me right. <laughs> that is a lie according to the verse that she just read. It says, Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as, as unto, unto the, Lord. the Lord. If, husbands, your requests, your decisions don't line up with this, then it is impossible to, impossible to be as to the Lord. One of the other, uh, one of the other 
scripture passages that people like to go to in Timothy talk about as it is fit in the Lord. Mm. Adultery is not fit in the Lord. So just don't even mess with that nonsense. It's ignorance. For the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the savior of the body. In that setting, the church never has to question if Jesus has his, the church's best interest in, at, at heart. They never have to question, is he following something else? What, what's going on? The church can be confident in Christ's leadership and covering and anointing, which is why we get down to the how many verses to, directed to the men? Ten. Ten. Because Sarah wasn't afraid of Abraham. He did not try to beat her into subjection. He did not just make selfish decisions. The decisions that were made were absolutely for the benefit of them and for their family. And while we're on the subject of Sarah and Abraham, I've actually heard people say, and, and it's true, I mean, it's listed there, Sarah called Abraham Lord. If you look that word Lord up, it is used as master, like a slave master type thing, as a surname, you know, as saying sir, you know, it's reverence, yeah. okay? But there, but guys, again, egos, they're like, you know, my wife needs to just, you know, call me Lord. Well, I, how about you try and acting like Abraham, buddy? I mean, come on now. If you're going to expect shoes to be filled, start filling them yourself. Because that's, that's what it goes back to towards the end of this chapter. It talks about nourishing the wife, building her up. Proverbs 31 talked about praising her, blessing her. If you do those things, submission's not an issue. Right. Well, later on, we're talking about men nourishing and being an anchor. That's what the, that's the, the word head actually means stabilizer, anchor. Well, and that's what we've always heard, you know, the man is the head of the house. Oh, contraire. That's actually on the back of the book. It was so surprising to most people. Nowhere, not one place in Scripture does it say that the husband is the head of the house. It says he is the head of the wife. Okay, I'll give you the fact that, okay, as the head of the wife, by extension, he is head of the house. But if you want to be picky about it, which we always are when it comes to the Word of God, because you have to be scriptural, have to have scripture to be scriptural. Turn with me to 1 Timothy 5.14. Is that on my page or your page? It's on my page. Okay. <laughs> 1 Timothy chapter 5. And verse 14. Now, this is talking about widows, all right? It's all that leading up to it is talking about the care of widows. However, in verse 14, Paul says, I will, therefore, that the younger women or the younger widows marry. Okay, so at that point, they're no longer widows. They're remarried. They're just married women. Got that? Okay. Bear children, guide the house. My lovely bride here just happens to have Strong's concordance of Greek words. 
pulled up on her iPad. And if you click that word guide, the next words you see will be to be the head of a family to guide the house. There, the scripture literally says that the woman is to be the head of the house, the manager, the overseer of the things in the household. And we haven't had time to go through it, but as you get, <clears throat> if you read through our book, we go into it in detail and you see it all through Isaiah 54 and Proverbs and, and, and all through those um, scriptures that we study in detail in the book, The Diamond in Your Household of Faith. So, yes, the woman basically in Timothy was told, yes, you run your house, you manage your house. We go into that in detail, as he said. And then there are these concepts that he puts in place of, okay, this is what I think we should be doing. And we follow that, but it's not in a taskmaster way. Everybody's been around a job where the manager gives assignments to the assistant managers and they start trying to put things in play and then the manager comes in and micromanages it. And that creates a problem because they're trying to follow that. But that's not what we're looking at here. We're looking at the woman is basically managing the house and she does submit to him as Je Jesus is our example. And there are many times that he submitted to God's will, even when he really didn't want to, even in the garden of Gethsemane, mm -hmm. he was submitting to that will of God. And he said, if there's any other way, let's do this. Yeah, Luke but if 22. not, I'll follow you. He did. He went to the cross and died, which was a very hard thing, which we can't even fathom but it all worked out. And then after he went to the cross, he went to hell, he was raised again. Then Jesus, uh, then God set him at his own right hand and called him equal. I think it's interesting. You know, Jesus didn't ask the wives to do anything he didn't do because he submitted in the garden of Gethsemane. He, he, can, he submitted to his head, God, to the point that he, blood came through his pores. There was so much pressure for him not to submit to the will of his head, but he did it. But then his head did what the husband should be doing in the household, turned around and raised Jesus up and gave him his name. That's what you do. You give her your name in covenant. That name is her name. And if you're both the same name, you're equal. You raise her back up and you say, what did he, he put, he gave Jesus to be the head of the church. And you know, hey, here, this is yours. He <laughs> you gave know? us his name to go minister with. That's exactly right. And, and we're joint heirs with Jesus. God made us joint heirs with Jesus. Well, that's what 1 Peter 3, 7 says that the husband and wife are, are co-heirs. You look it up, it's the same word, joint heirs. And so now we're going into the section of Ephesians where it's talking to the husbands. Um, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. 
if a husband was truly loving his wife with the same compassion that Christ loved his church, the submission issue is not really an issue. That's right. That love, we tend to think of giving himself for the church as, sure, I'll die for you, but I'm not going to empty the trash right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'll die for you, but I I really don't want to go pick up the kids. (laughs) Hey, I'm just a chauffeur when I'm in town. (laughs) And that's something that my kids have seen. He does travel a lot with ministry. And when he's in town, he does know that, yes, I'm running the house and I'm giving assignments and things like that. And he'll come to me and say, hey, is there anything that I can do for you today that would take some of the load off of you? Translated, that's what's my assignment today. (laughs) I'm in town, what's my assignment? But I don't automatically assume he's going to have an assignment because he might be doing some work in town as well. But just that act of coming and saying, here, let me take the kids so that you can do something else and not have to think about it. Don't have to be hands-on managing the house at that moment. And that is that act of love. That is an act of laying down your life to show that love. Well, and part of, I, I, I can, the rest of those scriptures talking about the husband nourishing, building up, loving the wife. You can get a really good picture of this again in the Jesus being the head of the church, being the head of the husband. Just look at how Jesus interacts with and what he does for the church. If you turn to Hebrews chapter 7, and let's see. Um, Let's start in verse 24 of Hebrews chapter 7. But this man, Jesus, because he continues ever, he ever lives, going on forever from now on, has an unchangeable priesthood. He is unchangeable. And his priesthood, wherefore he is able also to save, That word save means deliver, protect, build up, health. It's the same as the washing of the water by the word saves Mm -hmm. the, the wife. He saves them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Now pay attention. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. That's what the husband should be doing for the wife. Ever live to make intercession. And if you, if you look at what, at what, what Jesus did in, in Luke chapter 24, verse 50, he, he walked with them out. This is immediately before he ascended to his father. The last thing he did for the church was bless them. Did you remember what the husband does? In Proverbs 31 for his wife, he blesses her. Combine that with Hebrews chapter 7. And the husband ever lives to make intercession for and declare the blessing over the wife. And I'll guarantee you, if you, if you ever live and, and build up yourself to do that, 
you are going to nourish the wife. You're going to love her because you can't intercede and declare the blessing over you constantly all the time without the Lord revealing to you how to love and how to nourish and how to build up. And so you kind of fulfill those verses. Well, and that goes on to the first Corinthians seven mm-hmm. uh, verses four and five, where it talks about the wife has not power over her own body, but the husband. And likewise, the husband has not power of his body, but the wife. And yes, this is talking about physical ministry to each other mm-hmm. on not defrauding and keeping away from each other. But also, if this is my body, I have authority to pray and to pray healing over his body. And the same for me. And we actually did have a pretty major health issue with me. And we came through it very speedily because he was able to take that authority over me and join our faith together. And you can read about the details of that in the book. I go into it because it incorporates submission as well and how she submitted to me and what what I was called to do and what she's called to do. And we walked in faith and just it it includes submission. It includes faith. It includes how you stand for healing. And it, it definitely includes the authority that I have as her husband over her body to pray and and believe and trust God for health. Glory to God. Well, that's it for today. But watch this and then we'll be right back. I want to talk to you for another minute. The Diamond in Your Household of Faith is a must read for every man and woman, married or planning to be married. Dr. David Weider writes in great detail to help you understand the worth and value of one of God's greatest gifts. He takes complex biblical truths and makes them easy to understand for every reader. You'll learn not only how valuable, but also how strong the virtuous, prudent, and good wife is in the sight of God. It elevates the woman to a place of honor that her Heavenly Father intended. David Weider breaks through incorrect religious doctrine by allowing the Bible to interpret the Bible and bringing context to scripture references often void of it. It is only through this truth that we can truly be powerful and effective in our prayers and entire lives. Find out the secret to a healthy, amazing marriage in the diamond in your household of faith. Order your copy today at davidweeder.org. Hey, I'm telling you, you need to go ahead and get that book today. All this material is in that book and it'll bless your heart. But the principles won't matter if love has not been shed abroad in your heart. And that needs to happen today. And in order for that to happen, Jesus needs to be in there. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, it's the simplest thing in the world. Pray this with me. Jesus. Jesus. I'm asking you. I'm asking you. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. I confess you as Lord today. I confess you as Lord today. Take my life. Take my life. And do something with it. And do something with it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now tell me, was that simple or what? 
you are now a new creation according to the word of God. So write us, tell us about it. Get on Facebook, send us an email, whatever it takes. But between now and then, don't ever forget that Lynn and I love you. God loves you. He is always for you and never against you. And Jesus is Lord. Thank you partners and friends for helping make this broadcast possible. For more information about our ministry, contact us at davidweeder.org or call us at 1-800-988-5380. Join us again next time on the Covenant Living Broadcast. I'm a covenant man.